invite you to take your scriptures and turn back to that passage we read a few moments ago in Matthew 5, verses 27 through 30. In April of 2017, Christianity Today published an article entitled, The Science of Sinning Less, which served as the cover story on that month. And on the cover of the magazine was a heavily sprinkled donut, which represented temptation. And then underneath the uh, donut was a quotation of Romans 7, 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. If you open up and read the articles inside, you'll find that they were trying to take a scientific and biological approach to the issue of self-control. The article defines self-control with an outside-in approach, and I quote, self-control regulates desires and impulses. It involves wanting to do one thing, but choosing to do another. We substitute responses to a situation like wanting to eat a bag of chips but instead picking up an apple. The science of sinning less. That article basically says that self-control as a function is independent and even at times contrary to our affections. They would say in the article that the heart bubbles up with all the things that you want to do and how you gain control over it is have your will just smack it down so that you won't do them anymore. The outside-in approach to sanctification and to self-control, and more specifically this morning to our topic of sexual purity, especially within the bounds of marriage, is not a biblical approach. Certainly not the way of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going to tell us that only through God and obviously himself that heart change can occur. At the heart of purity is a purity of heart. Matthew 5, 8, Jesus says it this way, Blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus has been telling us through his opening salvo in the Sermon on the Mount that we need, in order to enter the kingdom of God, what he would call a beyond or exceeding righteousness. Something that goes far beyond what the scribes and Pharisees had, who only had an external righteousness with nothing on the inside. Jesus says that you have to have not only an action righteousness, but you have to have an affection righteousness. So to bring this point out, he quotes the seventh commandment in the Decalogue, the second half being the relational commandments horizontally between each other, and this in the context of marriage. And he says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. It's the seventh commandment. It's one that everyone in his day was familiar with. In fact, if you study the literature, you'll find that almost everybody kept that commandment as far as the act is concerned. There were not a lot of people being adulterous and committing the physical act of sexual impurity and adultery in Jesus' day. But for Jesus, that was not one that lessened his concern. Because in the passage that he did for them that he wants to do for us today is Jesus wants to probe deeper. He wants to probe deeper than just the act of adultery. He wants us to consider the affection 
or the desire of adultery. In fact, Moses always wanted that too. Because if you read Exodus 20 and verse 14, the command, it was only two verses later, or three verses later in verse 17, that the prohibition at the end of the commandments is this, that you cannot covet your neighbor's house, his livestock, you cannot covet his servants. And then it says this, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Meaning, you cannot illicitly want another man's wife. That is the desire to have her. So Jesus, he wants you to know this morning, is not only deeply concerned about your actions, but your affections in your heart. He's not just concerned about what you do on the outside that everybody sees. He is even more concerned about your inner person, about what you do on the inside and perhaps what no one else can see. And so he says it this way. You have heard it said, the action, but I say to you that there's more to it, he says. Because if you look at a woman with your eyes, with the intent, with your heart to lust after her, here's what he says. You have committed adultery already where? In your heart. So again, let me emphasize it. Jesus says, if you want to enter my kingdom, you have to have a whole person righteousness. The scribes and Pharisees had an outside only righteousness. They kept the letter of the law. They were good at the action part of it. But when it came to their heart, when it came to their desires and their passions... See, they lacked it. They didn't have the affection part of the purity. And Jesus says, unless you have this whole person, this inside-out purity, you're not going to enter the kingdom. And he's going to say that in the most explicit terms at the end of our text. And just by way of announcement, so to speak, Jesus is not flattening out adultery, meaning the act and affection are equal. Jesus is not trying to say that your outer sins and your inner sins are equal as far as consequences go. But he is saying this, and please hear me, that the battle for kingdom righteousness, and in particular the battle against adultery in your marriage and sexual purity in your own life personally, is a battle for your heart. That's what he's saying today. So let me ask you up front, how's the battle going in your heart? Jesus has told us so far that we can actually murder with our mouth. He said that last week. And now this week he's saying to us, and we can actually commit adultery with our hearts. So he's pushing us, isn't he? He's pushing us to say, stop looking only on the outside and stop, start looking on the inside. And it could be today that you're here And some of the battles and the regular constant defeat and sin in your life and maybe in the area of sexual purity is due to the fact that you're aiming at the wrong target. You keep trying to behaviorally modify only the actions on the outside without ever experiencing transformation on the inside. And the problem with your regular defeat and the sin may be because you're only aiming at the wrong target. Matt Emmons who was an American sharpshooter, had won the gold medal in the 2000 Olympics and was up to winning it in the 2004 Olympics. In fact, he came to his event, which was the 50-meter three-position 
sharpshooting contest. And he was, before he was touted to and showed it all through the Olympics, that he was the best sharpshooter in the world, the absolute best. In fact, he was so good, so much better than everybody else, that it came down to his last shot to win the gold medal for a second time in a row. And all he had to do, listen, is to hit the target anywhere. He didn't have to get a bullseye. He didn't even have to get close to a bullseye. All he had to do on the target was hit anywhere in the circles. But he got a zero. He went from getting the gold to eighth place. He didn't even get a medal. And you know why? Because he made the mistake when he focused in. He aimed at the wrong target and shot the target in the aisle next to him. And he did get a bullseye. But guess what? When you aim and shoot at the wrong target, you get a zero. See, that can happen in the Christian life, can it? I mean, we think here's what we need to be sexually pure and faithful to our spouse and faithful to God. We think, hey, if I just aim at the actions, if I just don't look at the wrong thing on the internet, hey, if I just monitor my phone, if I, and I'm, not, I mean, I'm gonna tell you in a minute, those are good things, don't get me wrong. But if you think for a moment that those things kill sin, you are mistaken. And if I could do anything today, is this. I want to change where you're aiming. If you're aiming at just changing on externally and the actions that you do so that you can be a better husband or a spouse or a teenager, if you think that you're going to conquer your anger and your upset and your impatience, and your la- if you think that just changing the actions and stapling on better actions on the outside is going to change you, you're mistaken. Jesus says... That the righteousness that you need is from the inside out. If you and I are going to combat the pornographic culture and the river of filth that we live in, it's going to have to be from the inside out. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't use appropriate precautions and guards. For things on the internet, you should use covenant eyes. You should have blockers that keep you off of things as a child or an adult. You ought to have rules in your home like we had. There were no TV or any internet allowed in people's rooms when they were growing up. Don't watch TV or the internet alone. Only have computers in the main rooms of your house. Stay off certain social media. Have an accountability partner. See, all of those are good rules. They're good things to keep in place in your life. Because guardrails are good. When you drive down the highway, you'll note that you have guardrails at certain places, especially if there are ditches on the side of the road or there's cliffs that you could go over. Guardrails are good. They keep you on the road. And if by chance that you veer off the road, at least you won't go over the cliff. You'll hit the guardrail. It could cause damage, but it won't be fatal, most likely, right? So guardrails are good. We had them growing up. My parents said, you will be in by 11 o'clock or when I got a little older, midnight, you have to be in. That was a guardrail. We ne- I never have alcohol in my home. Tablets and computers and TVs, we monitor them when our kids are growing up. See, if you want to lose weight, I have decided that you don't do a little office work in the Wendy's restaurant. I don't sit at Ed Good Bakery and try to prepare my sermons. It doesn't work. And there are some good things that you can get. Listen, 
If you go to a rehab to rehab, and my, a lot of, I have friends who have. And it's not a bad thing to go to a rehab center to get over an alcoholic or drug addiction. But can I tell you, as good as it is, it's not enough. And even if that rehab place is a different place and it takes you out of the place that you were sitting and puts you in a different place and you go through that process, it's good to be in a different place and it's good to be away from the things that entice you and can corrupt you. But can I tell you, all they can do is modify your behavior. They cannot change your desires any more than being a monk in a monastery makes you holy. Guardrails can do that. They can modify your behavior. They can keep you away for a time from the sources of temptation, but they cannot change your life where change is needed most, and that's in your heart. Some of us think because we put guardrails into our life and we keep things from happening for a while that we've actually fought against and defeated sin, and we are wrong. We're aiming at the wrong target. Solomon, in his wisdom, wrote this in Proverbs 4.23, King James, guard your heart with all diligence. Upgraded version, keep your heart, guard it, protect it. Your heart, he says, with all, you know why? For from it springs the issues of life. Do you know where things come from? Deep down inside, it's your heart that needs guarded. You know why? Because it's the source. Everything you do springs from it. Desires cause actions in about a month at my house we will have these tiny little ants coming in our house they will come through the window right above the sink they will come through the cabinets and they are very little teeny ones and they're coming in from the outside and i think that they want water and we don't put food out for them like they're a pet or anything so they're not coming in for that they, they, they want water. And we've tried to kill them. And so we do it by spraying. And you get a little pile of them. And I like to take the can and spray all of them. They're floating in it. And it kills most of them at that point. And then you put traps places. And they crawl in these little traps. And they die in there. And you throw the traps out. I don't know if you've ever gone through any of this. Every spring it happens. So we got tired of it, having, oh, you know, you get grossed out, you're going to get a drink, and there's the ants crawling all over the place, right? So we decided to have an exterminator come, and he told us, ah, throw the cans out, get rid of the traps, worthless. And really? He goes, yeah, because you're not getting them where they live. He goes, let me tell you, I'll go around your house, and we're going to poison them, and we're going to exterminate them at the source. So he goes and sprays, and he showed me a couple places. Ooh, that's a, that's a lot of ants there. I never even knew that thing was there. And all this place over here, and he sprayed everything. And you know what? We didn't have them anymore. So I'm calling him back this year. I'm going to say, spray them again. Spray them where they live. Get them. I want to, you know why? But he said, listen, you want to kill them. You can't just, hey, kill one over here, kill a few over there, kill them on the sink. You can't do it that way. You know what? You have to get them at the source. Here's what Jesus says. You want to be sexually pure? Hey, you can't do it just by the guardrail. You get one over here. You stop that, looking at that. You stop, you can't, that's not, you have to get to the source. And here's what Jesus says. It's your heart. Your heart is the source. Unless your heart is transformed, you really haven't won the battle. The the fight has not been completed. 
Jesus says we need something more radical than just trying to tame the actions on the outside. And that's where verses 29 and 30 come in. You see the two little conditional phrases at the beginning of each verse? If, and the word if, can I say technically first, it means this, since or because. It's not saying if it really is. It's saying this is how it is. Your right eye, since your right eye causes you to sin. And in each of those two verses, the word cause is the Greek word we get the English word scandal from. In other words, if you're being scandalized, you're being pushed to sin, and you're sinning, and here's the cause of it. Can I say it? The source of your ant problem. Ready? If it's your right eye, here's what you do. Hit it where it lives. He says, pluck it out of your eye and throw it out. He says, if it's your right hand, and that's the source, that's where that sin is living and causing you to fall away from God. It's scandalizing you. He says, here's what you need to do. It's radical. Cut your hand off. And you believe it or not, through the centuries early on, some people believed Jesus was literal, and they were cutting out their eyes and their hands. I mean, that's really, I mean, mutilation is not what Jesus is after. And he's not about modification either. This isn't about modifying, hey, do this. Or do this. He's not trying to say it's your hand. You know why? Because he's already told us what's the issue. The issue is your heart. And so I asked myself as I studied this passage, why does he say your right eye and your right hand? Why that? You know why? Because most people are right-handed and your right eye and your right hand is dominant. It's what controls everything. It's what you do everything with. So here's what he's saying. You know what the source, the dominating source of your sexual impurity is, if whatever it is, and we know it to be your heart, here's what you do. you got to radically kill it, he says. you got to kill it in your life. It's time to get radical, he says. So it's not mutilation or modification. It's the old Puritan word mortification. That's what he's after. John Owen said this, either you are killing sin or sin is killing you. And Jesus says, before sin can kill you, sometimes physically, but truthfully, spiritually, you better start killing it. Find the source and you better poison it. You better kill it. You better get it out of your life. And here's what he's saying. And there is no sacrifice, hear me, and there is no sacrifice too great to get the job done. And that's why he says, tear it out of your eye Cut off your hand. You know why? Because he wants you and I to say, whatever you have to do, no matter what it is, if you've got to throw out your computer and have your heart change, and the heart change says, here's the outside things I'm going to do now. Inside to outside. There's no sacrifice that's too great to get rid of that vice and that sin in your life. But you can't fight it on the deeds level only. It has to be on the desires level. So it's not enough, sorry Nancy Reagan, just to say no to drugs. Did you know that campaign when she was first lady in the White House, drug addiction went up? Why? Because you can't just say no to drugs. Unless you start wanting something other than the addiction that, and the pleasure and the joy and the satisfaction that drugs give you, you'll never say no. Because it never changes your heart. Can I give you two examples? Don't turn there, just listen. 
Job, in the book of Job, says this in chapter 31. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I gaze upon a virgin? Two, seven verses later, same chapter, he says this. If my step, the outside, has turned away, aside from the way, and my heart has gone after my eyes, he says. If my heart has been enticed by a woman. You see, Job knew what Jesus was telling us. That what you look at with your eyes is what you want in your heart. And the answer isn't get rid of your eyes. The answer is let God change your heart. That's what he wants. Joseph was regularly confronted by Potiphar's wife as she made sexual advances on him. Joseph, the Bible says, was a handsome and well-built young man. Potiphar's wife had no integrity and no morality. She didn't know the true God. So she also wanted her slave, Joseph, to be her sexual partner. But Joseph said no. And by the way, you know how he did it? He did have guardrails on the outside. The Bible says in Genesis 39 that he said he would not be alone anywhere with her in the house. He had guardrails. So he put these things in place in his life that he wouldn't even be in a place of temptation as much as possible. But listen, guardrails are good, but only so far. Because one day she found them in the house and it was just the two of them. So she went up to him with the same words. He refused. She grabs him by the coat. He lets it go and he runs out. Now how was he able to do that? Did he have guardrails in place? Yes, they were protecting him on the outside. But you know what he says to her? He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, that's heart protection. What did Joseph do? He said, on the outside, I'm not going to make provision for the flesh, Romans 13, 14, to fulfill the lust thereof. But on the inside, you know what I have? I have this surpassing pleasure that I only get from God. I can't sin against God. You know why? Because he is my joy. He is my satisfaction. He is what brings the greatest pleasure in my life. Psalmist says in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Not the partial pleasures of sexual committing adultery. Not the, no, in your presence is full. At your right hand is pleasures. Listen to this. Forevermore. Not short term, not living for the moment, but pleasures that last. It is a lie and a deception of sexual sin and of the devil that the things that you can look at in the pornography and the internet, that they will last and they will please you. It is a lie. And can I say this? It is a lie from hell. Only God can give you the pleasure and the satisfaction that you're looking for. And that is why Jesus says to tear out your eye and cut off your hand and throw it away. You know why? Because, listen to me, this is what's at stake. He says twice, both in verse 29 and 30, that it is better to lose one of your members of your body and have them be, just lose the one member than your whole body be thrown into Gehenna. 
hell, the eternal burning trash dump outside of Jerusalem that was Jesus' way of visually giving us an idea of what eternal hell separated from him is like. And Jesus says, if you do not have the inside-out purity, if you don't have the inside-out righteousness, he says, this is what will happen to you. You will be bodily thrown into hell Salvation is not, can I say, it is not just God's plan to get you into heaven. It is God's plan to get heaven into you. But wait, let me flip the coin over and say it this way. Salvation is not just God's plan to keep you out of hell. It is God's plan to keep hell out of you. See, Jesus says, look below the action Look below the surface. Recognize what's actually taking place in your heart. And recognize, although you can take precautions and you can put, build walls up on the outside and guardrails, whether you're a guy or a lady, it doesn't, whether you're young or old, these are all real temptations. He says, if you want in your marriage to refrain from adultery, not just body adultery, but heart adultery, you're going to have to get below the surface. And you're going to have to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. And to enter my kingdom and to stay out of hell, that's the kind of impact and transformation that salvation will have to have done in your life. That's what he says. Question is, is that you? Is that taking place in your life? Is that taking place? In your heart. Let's pray. In just a moment, Dave's going to come and lead us in our closing hymn. Give me one pure and holy passion. As you have your head bowed and eyes closed, you know, perhaps today, as humbling as it might be, that you are honest with yourself and saying, Pastor Walker, there are a lot of stuff, YouTube, pornography, magazines, romance novels that I read, um, and on and on the list goes because there is a river of filth. And you say, listen, these are struggles I've had and I continue to have. And, and here's the problem. It may be today that that struggle is due to the fact that you need a new heart. That's what the new covenant promise in the Old Testament enacted in Jesus offers you not some behavioral modification. No, an inside-out change that starts down to the very core and essence of who you are. See, God wants you through Jesus and his cross, death, and resurrection to change your heart completely. Holiness, not just H-O-L-I, but W-H-O-L-I, holiness. He wants to make you a whole person. He wants to open up to your life through the mercy and grace that is in Christ Jesus. He wants to open you up to the greatest pleasures and satisfactions that this world could possibly not even come close to offering. They're only found in Jesus. And if you've never come to trust him, you've never come to put your faith and your hope in him, if you've never recognized that he's your only hope of forgiveness and righteousness, He can change your heart today. And I bid you come as we sing this chorus. Don't hesitate even for a moment.
come and say, I need a new heart. Not just new deeds, I need a new heart for new desires. And, and maybe today you're a Christian, and perhaps it's an area of sexual purity. Maybe it's something completely different, but it's still a sin of the flesh and of the spirit. And you're struggling say, oh, Pastor Walker, self-control doesn't happen from the outside in, but from the inside out. And see, what I need is God's continuing work of grace and kindness through his word and spirit in my heart. And I've been tacking this thing all wrong. Just I'm trying to go after different actions and not doing the wrong thing anymore. Listen, what I need is a set of new desires that are continually growing and increasing through God's word. And I need that. I need prayer in that way. You come. But can I say minimally before we sing? Pray right where you are. See, I need to be more like Jesus. I want his heart. Jesus did God's will because he had God's heart. Do you have his heart? Father, I pray that you would do your soul surgery deeper in our hearts. In fact, we just sang that. We sang about our hearts. We, we sing the hymn, Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. That's what we're asking for. Salvation at the heart level. Sanctification at the heart level. Please do that work for your glory and our good. We ask for Christ's sake. Amen.